Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Advisor Arena Podcast. This is Jamie Malm. I'm your host, and I've got Josh Watson on with us today as well. Hi, Josh. Hey, Jamie, how are you today? I'm good. I think um, we can agree that most of the most of our audience anyway for this podcast are typically financial advisors, but I know there are consumers that join as well, which I love because it gives them insight into what goes on behind the scenes with their financial advisor and transparency is always a good thing. Um, but some episodes, you know, may resonate more with advisors, of course, but the topic that we have for today is so impactful and so relevant to everybody. We are going to be talking about how an entire financial plan, a retirement plan can be derailed so quickly by the cost of care later in life. And we have on with us our guest, Alan Somervold, who is the president of Gradient Life Insurance Brokerage. Welcome, Alan. We're very happy to be here. I appreciate you sharing some insight into this topic. Obviously, this has been a problem for years. There's nothing new there. Trying to pay for care and, you know, thinking about traditional long-term care plans, that's that's nothing new. But why do you think this hits people so hard? They They put all this time and effort into working with their advisor on this ironclad plan where they have guaranteed income for life. They know what they're distributing with trusts and wills and power of attorney documents and all those things are lined up. Why does this derail people so often? Um, I would say there that in my experience, the the biggest thing that keeps this from being more at the the front and center of conversations and planning is just um, a suspension of disbelief is what I would call it. Uh, There's a very strong, I don't want to think about this because it's unpleasant that goes into long-term care type planning, um, you know, for something that has some pretty, pretty grisly statistics for the likelihood that people are going to need this kind of support or care and the costs that come with that later in their life. It's not a, it's not a fun, you know, quote unquote fun topic to talk about. And I feel that just human denial is probably the number one reason why this isn't planned for more robustly. Do you think it's also because people, you know, when they're young and they're healthy, you're you're 45, you're 50, you think, my gosh, this isn't even this isn't even on my radar right now. Do they wait too long to address it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The I I would say that for the financial products that can step in and, and help in this kind of place right now, the most common ages, we see people actually taking some action and, and doing some planning that involves shifting that risk you know, to a different party, to an insurance company, usually happening uh, mid to late 50s uh, into the 60s is usually where we see it. Not that it's impossible to talk about um, you know, for somebody in their 40s, especially if they've had a personal experience that makes this a little bit more front and center. Um, <clears throat> so there's no harm in starting a little bit early. Well, I would say in the keeping up with the Joneses, sense. Uh, mid to late 50s is usually about the earliest people start to get around to this, which you get out of the rat race a little bit more. You're, you're, you're winding down of what most people you know, do. They're 
getting into the, the halcyon years of their career, looking down the nose at retirement in the next decade or so, kind of that nebulous period, which is usually where this planning takes place. Mm-hmm. And I, I know we all probably have a personal story on this. We all know somebody who has been impacted later in life, but I think we have a tendency to believe it's not going to happen to us. We're not going to go to an, into a nursing home. We have another plan. And you don't think about the things that would add up with costs, even if you are at home. Let's say you get to stay at home. And I'm, I'm thinking about years ago, my great grandma was able to stay at home. And my grandma and her sister split time going over there. She had to have somebody there at all times because she may have left the stove on. Obviously, none of them. I mean, you're talking about two, they were probably 70, you know, and she's 95. None of them were able to do any maintenance around the house. They had to pay for absolutely everything that we needed done. And those costs to keep her at home were thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars a year that nobody really planned for because we thought, well, we'll be, we'll be able to take care of her at home. Oh, absolutely. And really, Jamie, you, you hit on a number of really important things in that little story. And if it's all right, I'd actually like to flesh out a few of them because I feel with this being the topic, there's a couple things there that I'd really like to, to just put a pin. Sure. Um, you know, one part, one part that I feel uh, I think is really important is that home care is by and large the fastest growing way that people receive this type of care. Like, I think that this is a fair statement with universal appeal. No one wants to go into a nursing home. Like, that is easily the the last ditch effort. That is not something people are beelining towards. It is very, very much undesirable. And as this industry of helping people of helping take care of people at the later stages of their life, especially as illness uh, starts to creep in. Um, Nursing home care has been actually shrinking marketplace. Things like home care have actually been increasing. Um, Home care and more assisted living facilities kind of evenly split there as the growth segments of how this care is being distributed. Nursing homes are not real, real popular. Um, you also mentioned there about you know, in your own circumstance there, and I can very much relate how often family steps in, you know, the first line of defense in helping people out who are needing some care. And, and just to, to, to put the definitions on it, this, what we're referring to in long-term care is often in the later stages of someone's life, uh, with illness, with the body kind of breaking down a little bit, there is we're talking about the inability to take care of oneself, the inability to have easy mobility, you know, get up, move around the place, get back down without, without being steady on your feet or the inability to feed oneself or get dressed without a little bit of support, cognitive issues, think dementia and Alzheimer's, you know, at the scary end of the spectrum, just folks who need some help getting on. And the first line of defense, there's often family. Uh, that was certainly the circumstances in, in my own family, my parents. I lost my dad uh, October of 2019, and he was effectively on a long-term care claim for the past seven years of his life. And his primary caregiver uh, was my mom. And there's something to be said about your primary caregiver, you know, where this stuff often happens later in life, if the main person providing care, like in, in my family circumstance, 
was you know, a 60 something year old woman helping a you know, 60, a little bit older than her, 65, six, seven year old man, like up and down stairs and around the house. Like it, it puts a burden, a physical burden on the caregiver more often than not. Um, you know, when God knows my, my brother and I would come in and help out where we could. Uh, but you know, we, like a lot of other adult children, we had moved away. You know, we've been three and a half hours drive from home, have families of our own, have careers, have lives. It's, it's a difficult thing uh, for families to get all that coordination in. And the, the burden often lies on the spouse, uh, which can be really challenging in ways outside of just financial ways. And I think more often than not, if there's no spouse or the spouse is unable to, it falls to the kids. And as you're putting a plan together, I don't believe there's any of us that would say, oh, no biggie, my kids have got this. We would never want to be a, <clears throat> excuse me, a burden in any way to our kids, whether that's financially or or otherwise. I, you know, we are, we're dealing this with this right now in my own family. My father-in-law was diagnosed with Alzheimer's maybe three years ago. He was only 61 years old. So physically strong and healthy and capable and he still is. However, he's declined to the point where we have to be with him at all times. And we certainly, you know, in all the planning that we did with his power of attorney documents and his wills and his legacy that he wanted for his kids, he would never have wanted that depleted with these additional costs that are being incurred because of the care. And right now we're able to keep him at home and we're able to take care of him. But we, you know, we're only 40 something years old. His youngest daughter's barely 30. And we all work full time jobs and have families. So we have to pay for somebody to come into the home during the day. And it's been a lot. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's I mean, it is a skilled caregiver more often than not. Right. That's somebody who, you know, went in and got the education, has the skill set and the credentials. And I mean, frankly, if you're paying somebody to be taking care of a, of a loved one, you want those things. Right. And, and you know, skill and time and talent certainly doesn't come cheap. And it's a I mean, again, it's a, it's a big industry and it does require you know some resources um, like statistics on the bit, you know, which. I, I like to say just kind of set the stage, but then I'll say what I have a problem with of statistics. Like the odds are uh, based on one of the last studies I have here that for every person in this country, the odds of needing some type of this care, you know, home care, someone coming in all the way up to, to nursing home care, it's pretty high. It's better than a coin flip. Like 70% of people ages 65 and older will need some type of this care at some points of their lives. And that ideally would be the kind of statistics, you know, seven out of 10 people are going to have an issue with this at some point in their lives, big, small, or otherwise, you would expect that to incite action. But in, in my experience, it, it kind of does the exact opposite. It almost paralyzes decision where if I'm sitting in a room of 10 people and I say, all right, odds are seven out of 10 of you are going to need some kind of this care at some point in, in your future. Every single person in that room with me is going to look around and say, man, those that's a terrible statistic, right? That's scary. And so it's going to be really terrible for the seven of you guys. I'm not that. <laughs> um, that again, that suspension right. of disbelief just, just comes in. And if anything else, I guess my, my call to action would be this. It would be that there are solutions 
and the plan has to be in place. And I would point out that choosing not to address this, just kind of seeing how the cards lay, that is in and of itself, in and of itself, its own plan. Not the one I would typically recommend, but you know there are avenues to go where we can have a couple of fallback options, take some of that financial burden off of uh, a family, and you know, really keep the choices open so that basically a family has flexibility to do what is you know best for that family, what is best for their loved ones, and um, you know, we, we can really put a plan together. There have been some really nice evolutions in insurance and financial products, which can help step in and take some of the financial burden off of a family. Uh, but beyond the financial burden, actually, they can take some of the procedural burden where most products nowadays, like, so we have ways, there are, there are products in the annuity spectrum, there are a lot of products in the life insurance spectrum, which have benefits baked in to help take the financial burden off of a family. But more than that, they actually take the procedural burden off and that they will have care coordinators at those companies. So if, you know, God forbid, you know, my spouse gets sick or I get sick and I'm needing some kind of this care, I have a, you know, a, a bat phone to call, so to speak, that can help me navigate the process. Hey, I got to contact, you know, this entity. I have to go fill out this set of paperwork. This is the, the landscape of what my choices are in the neck of the woods that I'm in. Because um, I will tell you, having gone through it, with, with my parents, it is not easy. <laughs> and the jargon in the financial services industry around this topic does not always line up with the jargon in the medical services industry. It, uh, it was quite a challenge and I have a dude who works in this space. We just had a meeting yesterday. So my husband and his sister, you know, we sat around the table and made a list of things that we don't, we don't even know what to ask really. So having a care coordinator would be huge because right now, we're thinking, okay, he's at home. If we do have to look at um, more care, what are our options? Where do we look? What does that look like? Can we take him out? Can we still be with him during the day? What are the cost range? And, you know, we've got all these questions and we're just making phone calls and sending emails and just doing it to all these different places. We have no coordination. (laughs) And he would hate that all of this, you know, he's, he's done so well for himself. He built this business and he wanted to take care of his kids and he wanted to leave this legacy. And unfortunately, we're going to be spending a big chunk of the money that he had set aside for that on his care. I think the quote we got today from our, our local place was $7,500 a month. One of them said he wasn't even old enough. He couldn't qualify to come at only 64. So we're running into all kinds of obstacles and rules that I would never have known we even needed to plan for. And we all, you know, we all sat around the table and said, we should probably do this now for ourselves so that our kids don't find themselves here in 20, 25 years, because certainly he would have never thought at 64 that his 40 year old children would be trying to to handle this. It's 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 just not like you said. It's something that we think isn't going to apply to us. Oh, certainly. Well, and you hit on at least in, in your part of the country. You know the costs. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's not a small amount of money, right? I mean, that's that's a living income for a lot of people. For sure. And you know, as we're as we're looking at these these risks out there, that again, you know, for as scary as it can be, you know, it's a real enough risk that it should definitely have a plan around it. 
to divert that much of, you know, we're often in a retiree marketplace, right? That's where, as I said, we're talking to folks and trying to make these plans for people who are, you know, call it a decade out from retirement. And if you think about it, and again, this is your industry, you do a lot about helping people set up a, an income that they can't outlive. That's, that's one of the fundamental things that we help put together. If that much of, think of your, your average client, I mean, if that much of any of your average client's income were to be redirected to care, not only, how does that affect lifestyle, especially for, say, it's a married couple, for a spouse mm-hmm. that isn't in the situation, right? It's, it's, it's a really huge thing. And there are, you know, there, again, there are various avenues out there um, that can help to remove or displace this burden off to an insurance company. Um, you know, we play a lot in the realm of, you know, again, I run the life insurance side over here at Green Life Brokerage. Um, you know, there are life insurance policies, quite a few nowadays, that will actually allow a, a person to access a good chunk of their death benefits during their lifetime for this type of, of an event. That's uh, something that we've come across as pretty common. Um, we've recently been really looking to educate the field on products that are leaning even more heavily into taking care of this long-term care risk, where as a life insurance policy, it's pretty mediocre, to be honest. Like if I'm out there shopping for you know, benefits and, and, and wealth transfer benefits, I can do better. <laughs> but it's not the job they're trying to do. Basically, they come out as pretty mediocre life insurance policies, but they tag on to them a long-term care benefit, which is just leaps and bounds bigger than you could get uh, otherwise. So they, they do it in the form of what's called a rider, kind of an add-on to the policy, where you can get your death benefit during your lifetime, and even if that is exhausted, this extra rider will kick in and continue a long-term care benefit tax-free more often than not to that client for you know, up to lifetime. So there are solutions, and those are just a couple. There again, there I want to ask something about that. To fix this. I want to yeah, ask please. a little something about that if I can, because if I'm a financial advisor listening to this, I'm thinking, you know, no doubt one of the biggest obstacles to traditional long-term care, even if you can get past the struggle to you know, make people aware that, yes, this applies to you. Yes, I know it's a hard conversation and they agree to plan for it. It's costly and people don't want to allocate money to, to pay those premiums for something that really in the back of their mind, they're thinking, I'm not going to need this. And if I'm a consumer listening to this, I'm sure you're, you know, you're thinking, my gosh, I, you know, if I have all these things that I want to do, I certainly don't want to allocate the kind of premiums that would go for traditional long-term care when I don't want to go to a nursing home. I don't want to pay all this money if for some reason I don't need it. What you're talking about is a life insurance policy that if you don't end up needing to use it while you're alive for long-term care costs, it passes as a death benefit to your loved ones. So you're not spending money on something you're not going to use. Absolutely. And and you really hit on, um, so again, and I, I kind of glossed over it, but it's a good time to revisit there has been in the industry something called long-term care insurance that is a a very traditional insurance line and you pretty much nailed the number one objection that people who work in the sales of long-term care run across i I have myself and that number one objection is if i don't use this insurance i lose it. it it's very much like say home or auto insurance 
right? You pay some thousands of dollars a year to protect your home from catastrophe. But at the end of the year, your house didn't burn down. You don't get a check back from the insurance mm-hmm. company. You just had that coverage, right? So traditional long-term care insurance works kind of like that. You pay a flow of premium. And if you never go on claim, well, first off, congratulations, because it's not a, it's not like winning the lottery to go on a long-term care claim. You know, believe you me, right. but there was all that feeling of being cheated. And, and again, seven out of 10 people might need it, but if I'm talking to any one individual, I'm one of the three who won't. <laughs> right? So we, we would run into that as a huge objection. This is kind of the development of this industry where products have been coming out in, in my neck of the woods, it's life insurance products and you are spot on. Um, they are life insurance products first and foremost that have these long-term care benefits baked into them. They come in a couple different flavors, but ultimately some benefit will always be going to that family in some way, shape or form, be it through long-term care, be it through you know, a rescission of the policy and taking a cash value back. You can usually get your money back plus a couple bucks interest. Very few people surrender these or shut them off, but it's an option. And you know, ultimately at somebody's death, which, is still 100% odds, um, not to be morbid, but I do work in life insurance, um, there will be a benefit going back to that family tax free. So it helps to take a lot of those objections off of the table. And you know, again, to put this in peer view and perspective, because you mentioned the cost and, and how much money this can be, the life insurance end of this is, um, you know, the, the, the jargon in this industry is asset-based long-term care. Uh, typically it is, folks who have a bit of accumulated assets and kind of that leftover money, right? Like I'm usually step three of someone's plan where step one in doing retirement planning, they make sure that I have a retirement income between social security planning and various financial products that I know I can't outlive, right? Just in case of emergency, secure your own oxygen mask before helping others. <laughs> so step one is making sure that people can have that lifestyle. Uh, you know, step two is taking a look at making sure that the remaining reserve of their money is typically aligned with alignment with their risk tolerance, set up an appropriate investment vehicles. And I come around typically at kind of step three. We've got steps one and two when everyone between financial advisor and you know, consumer is happy with the plan. It's that, all right, now we've built something worth protecting. Let's protect this whole thing from an unfortunate possibility that we can do with just kind of the idle monies on the side is, is usually where, where our position comes in, if, if that makes sense. So if we have advisors that are listening to this and they're recognizing themselves in this saying, oh gosh, I, I feel like I probably do a really good job of handling steps one and two, but how many plans and how many clients do I have out there with this you know, solid plan that has more than a 70% chance of being derailed what do you suggest as a next step for them? Well, I would suggest, I'd say for anybody who happens to be working with our brokerage, we have some tools that can help initiate these conversations. Um, though for people who aren't you know, working in the financial services industry, um, I would just give the, the, the mirror of that, you know, contact your financial advisor and say, this is something I'd like to talk about and make sure that I have a plan. And, and then, Ultimately, like, I don't want to dive into product in this conversation. That is not at all the first step of this. This is not a product talk, right? This is a, this is something with an unfortunate amount of certainty. Like I, I talked a little bit about my mom and dad. I have other stories because again, you get statistics that high and most people I'm willing on this call or listening to this podcast have some kind of a personal story. They've seen it. 
And it is possible to have a plan for how we are going to deal with it. And that would be really the first thing that I would advise any advisor out there to be doing is making sure that on your next annual review that, hey, let's make sure that the work we've done is still right. Right. Hey, we've been working together for a couple of years now. We set up your income plan. Does everything still look solid? Any changes there? No. Great. Yeah, we, we did this step of making sure that your assets were in alignment with your risk tolerance. We have some market ups and market downs, but do you feel like you're in a good place there? Are you comfortable with the amount of money? Can you go to sleep at night knowing that your emergency account is stable and good to go? If that answer also is yes, then we come around to that step three. I want to make sure that we're protecting our plan and having a plan for long-term care. I would probably share a personal story of mine just to set the stage. I often ask if people have their own, and, and Jamie, as, as we've been talking on this call for 20, 25 minutes here, you have one, I have one, uh, Josh is on this call, so he has one as well. Just It's pretty common. And uh, go through those motions. Um, go through the kind of common plans, what the choices and options look like, and then get to the money part. Um, but it's really more of a, uh, an emotion, emotional sale and having a plan, making sure that we're protecting our family, protecting our choices, and you know, at the end of the day, protecting the dollars and cents that move around. Such good tips and info there. And we just talked a lot about what to do if you've already put a plan in place that's worth protecting, how to circle back and initiate those conversations. So if you are affiliated with Gradient or Gradient Life Insurance Brokerage, Gradient Annuity Brokerage, you want any of this, um, go to theadvisorarena.com, send us um, an email, we'll connect you with the materials. If you are thinking proactively about your next client or your next educational workshop or your next marketing topic, think how impactful it is to share a story. People don't connect with facts and figures and stats. They're going to remember such a small portion of that, but they will remember a personal story that will resonate with them. And they don't want their loved ones to be burdened. They don't want their income plan to be derailed. They don't want their spouse to not have enough money left over to live because they're sweeping it all into the you know the facility or the home health care or the professional caregiver that has to be hired these are emotional topics and people make decisions based on emotion not on facts and figures so if you want help with this please ask us we have more than enough resources there are products there are plans there are things that you can do to really help mitigate this risk so alan thank you so much for joining we appreciate your expertise on this topic and as always if this was helpful please hop on to uh, apple or wherever you listen to podcasts leave us a rating a review and hit that subscribe button so we are able to still bring you great content more guests more insight and valuable info for our industry thanks everyone